Hi, this is Pastor Chris from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Today I want to talk to you about the incredible value of the local authentic church. So I've been a full-time church pastor since 1996. I've served as a church volunteer since high school. I love and value the church. And I've been part of small churches, medium-sized churches, and a large church. Uh, I've been part of a church a uh, long drive away from home, but usually I'm part of a church that is in my town that I live in, uh, close to my neighborhood. So the church that I went to when I was in high school actually faded away. It closed. It is no more. You won't even know it was there now because there's an office building and a Culver's restaurant on that spot. Um, as I have volunteered, I helped start one of the largest churches in our region, and they're doing great now. Um, so lots of experiences with churches, growing churches, going. So anyway, um, I plan to attend church for the rest of my life somewhere, somehow, uh, until I die or until Jesus comes to get us. So why do we even go to church? I mean, the COVID shutdowns showed us that online church is pretty handy. So just click a button and you can watch church from your couch in your living room. You can see it. Um, then again, uh, we've had TV church since like the 1950s, and that never really took the place of real authentic church. So for decades, I've watched and learned from these churches online by video and YouTube and uh, all these other places that they've been able to uh, send their video signal. And it's great. The music's great. Message is great. Everything's perfect and professional. Uh, sometimes in the small church, uh, it is not uh, that perfect, but it is real and it is authentic. So why do we need to even bother with the authentic local church? I mean, um, is church more than just being a spectator and downloading information? Is there more that we're supposed to be doing? So that's what I want to share in the time that I have. I want to share some of my thoughts about the incredible value of the local, authentic church. Now, I'm not going to be able to cover everything about church. Uh, I would love to, but it would take a really long time. So I suggest that you grab a theology book like Millard Erickson's Introduction to Christian Theology. That's a good one. Um, otherwise, if you're an audio listener on audio, on Audible, there is... Uh, Christian Theology for People in a Hurry, and uh, the guy's got a short section on the church. But what you're looking for in a theology book is you're looking for ecclesiology. Ecclesiology is the study of the church. You know, the church isn't the building. The church is called out people. The church is people that believe in Jesus. The church is people that are on mission with Jesus. So, um, on one hand, uh the Old Testament Israelites had the temple, and that was kind of like church. But when Jesus came, he started a new thing. Jesus did a new thing. Uh, that is the church. And he expects us, if we're believers in Christ, to be part of the church and to use our spiritual gifts and to participate and to give and to share and to be accountable. Uh, so many things come from the authentic local church. We're in a series on authentic. That's why I keep saying the word authentic because it fits the series. So anyway, number one, Jesus is the architect and the cornerstone of the authentic church. Jesus is the designer, the creator of the church. Um, Matthew 16 verses 13 to 18. 
When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? Jesus asked, Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So Jesus asked his disciples, Hey, who do people say I am? Who do you say I am? And they answered, correctly. They, they've been with Jesus for quite a long time. Uh, Jesus wanted to know if they got it, and they did. You are Christ, the Son of the living God. So um, in Matthew 18, 20, uh, a little further down, Jesus says, where, three, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. And so the fundamental idea of church is that it is the assembly of people gathered in Jesus' name and Jesus is present among them. So we have house churches, uh, people doing family church, uh, smaller churches, I'm saying smaller churches like 50 to 100, medium-sized churches, you know, maybe 150 to 300, 500 or so. Uh, larger churches get up in the thousands, 10,000. Uh, one of the churches in uh, the Twin Cities, I think, has like 24,000 people, over 10 campuses, I think. So anyway, um, there's lots of different ways to do church. And I've been a part of big churches and little churches. So the one thing that I like about smaller churches is there's more opportunity for people to get involved. There's more people, uh, more opportunity for players to get on the field and do stuff. Uh, when you're in the really big church, then professionals do everything. Uh, volunteers do something, but it's more of a spectator kind of deal. Come watch the awesome worship band. Come watch the awesome preaching. Um, so awesome that sometimes it's not even just one person that comes up with a message, but it's a team. So uh, I knew one church that had a pastor that did sermon research, uh, came up with illustrations and all sorts of stuff for the senior pastor to uh, do his sermons. So I don't have uh, a staff person, but I do have a lot of preaching resources of Logos Bible software, Google, uh, all sorts of other things that help. And I think there's no excuse for a bad sermon when there's so many resources out there. My problem each week is that I come with too many resources and then I have to talk really fast because I'm shooting for like a half an hour or so and uh, I could just go on forever. And you're like, I know, I know. Praise the Lord. He's finally getting it. Anyway, Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. You know, the cornerstone uh, in ancient times and, you know, even, even in these times, uh, they set the cornerstone first. They uh, set it in the perfect spot. And then it's usually the one of the best stones. And then everything is measured. Everything is guided. Everything is directed on that. Sometimes on the old buildings, if you pull the cornerstone out, the whole thing falls apart. So um, sometimes they would celebrate the cornerstone. And uh, Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. Ephesians 2.19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. He's the foundation. Whatever we can do to serve Jesus, uh, whatever we can do to build this kingdom and and reach lost people for Christ, 
Whatever we can do to help change the world, to make it a better place, and to help people in need uh, is all on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. So Jesus holds everything together. Uh, Jesus guides and directs and aligns. Uh, Jesus is the one that we need to be following. Uh, without Jesus, there's no church. There's just a social club. So um, Ephesians 1, 22 says that Jesus is the head of the church uh, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So the church is an extension of Jesus Christ. He is the head. Those who make up the church are his body. And Colossians 1.13 says, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that everything so that in everything he might have the supremacy. So what Jesus did when he was physically on the earth, the church, his body now does. So we are the body of Christ. So when we uh, serve Jesus, we are the hands and feet of Christ. He empowers us through the power of his Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible says a lot of things about the church. The church is identified as the body of Christ, the temple of the Holy Spirit, the bride of Christ, the people of God. So the authentic church is not an organization, but an organism, and it is alive. In 1 Corinthians, Paul speaks of Jesus being present when the church assembles for church discipline, communion, and worship. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. So our churches uh, are organized. We're part of an organization called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Our churches do have a structure, uh, but they are only tools to make the church more successful, uh, not the church itself. The church is the body of the living Lord. Uh, the church is the presence of Jesus Christ in the world today. And we are his presence, not just on Sundays and Wednesdays, uh, his presence 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. We are the church building. So we don't have a church building right now, and we don't necessarily need to have a church building to be a church, but it is really handy, especially in the winter, to have a place to meet. And I think we could do a lot more and accomplish a lot more if we had our own space. We meet together. Uh, we meet together in life groups, uh, small groups. We've got a women's group, men's group, um, uh, another group that uh, meets in Jordan on Fridays, uh, youth group, uh, Bible quizzing group. Uh, we would like to grow uh, the number of groups we have as we move forward. So one problem with COVID is some people don't want to get into groups right now. So anyway, uh, there's also been Zoom groups. Uh, anyway, but the church is a group of people meeting together. Matter of fact, in Romans 16.5, Paul writes uh, at the end of Romans, I give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. Greet my dear friend Eponitus. He was the first person from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. The church that gathers in homes. Uh, there were uh, many gatherings, uh, not a big church building to go to, so they met in people's homes. Even if you're part of a big church, they often have small groups where people meet in homes or coffee shops or whatever to get together. So when you get into smaller groups and have conversations about faith, you often grow more than you would if you just sat in a really big auditorium and took it all in as a spectator. Number two, the authentic church is made up of believers, 
nearby and worldwide. Isn't that amazing to think that there are believers across the world, believers in Christ, your brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, worshiping the Lord uh, so far away and near in your neighborhood. There's probably believers in Christ in your neighborhood that you don't even know. So you should pray that you find them. There's two uses of the word church. The universal church comprising all believers everywhere and specific local churches like the church in Corinth, which assembled regularly in a specific location. So the two groups are connected to one another so that Paul in the same passage can speak about both the local and universal church. First Corinthians 1, 2. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. So Christians in Minnesota, Christians in California, Christians in British Columbia, Christians in Colombia. Uh, I met a bunch of Christians in um, Chile. So Galatians 1, 2, I... Paul writes, and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. And Ephesians 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. So there are parts of the universal church uh, that meet locally to be the church there. So we are a specific localized gathering of Jesus' church in our area. So um, we have a formal way of becoming a member of our church, but... um, You are welcome to worship with us, uh, whether you're a member or a friend of River Rock Church. We'd love for you to become a member. Let me know if you're interested in becoming a member, and we can have a brief uh, members informational class, uh, tell you what we're all about, what we believe, what we stand for, and what we hope to accomplish. And I'm going to actually share a little bit of that right now. And then uh, if you still want to be a member, we'd love you to become a member of our church. So we are required organizationally to have members to be a church. But let's just look at the church. So James Montgomery Boyce points out, the church has characteristics that cannot rightly be applied to the Old Testament assembly to which therefore set it off as something new. So it's not a continuation of the the temple with the priests standing in in between you and God. It's something new. Christ is the head of it. And so we are part of what Christ has done, uh, that new thing that he has done, the church. The church is one founded on the Lord Jesus Christ, two called into being by the Holy Spirit, and three is to contain people of all races who thereby become one new people in the sight of God. The church is the God-ordained local assembly of believers who have committed themselves to each other. They gather regularly, they teach the word, celebrate communion and baptism, discipline their members, establish a biblical structure of leadership, they pray and give together. Certainly the church may do more, but it is not less than this. Stephen J. Cole says that the local church is a gathering of those who believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. This means that the church consists of those who meet together because they believe the gospel. Each member believes this, that I am a sinner who deserves God's righteous judgment. He sends his eternal son, Jesus Christ, who is God in human flesh, to pay the penalty of death that I deserve. He promises that all who believe that Jesus died for their sins and was raised from the dead receive forgiveness of all their sins and eternal life is a free gift. Genuine saving faith includes turning from my sins and growing in obedience to the commandments given by Jesus and his apostles in the New Testament. This belief in the gospel is at the core of true local churches. 
So that is some good information on what the authentic church is about. So you're probably asking right now, how do I become part of Christ church? How can I belong to Christ church? Universal church and the local church. Good news. Jesus made it clear in the Bible. It's very clear on how we come to Christ and how we may be saved so that we can know that we have this eternal life. John 5, 24 says, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And in the progressive revelation of scripture, um, so Jesus said that, and then Paul helped clarify how how we make that happen. Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved will be saved. You know, when you know that you're saved, when you know that you're in Christ, when you know that you have eternal life, it makes a difference in your life. And I think it makes you more excited to go to church. So 1 John 5.11, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Would you like to pray right now to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Uh, praying is talking to God in one great way uh, to ask Jesus to forgive your of your sin and come into your life and save you is through prayer. Let's pray. Follow me in this prayer if you would like to be saved today. Dear Jesus, I do acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of being saved. Please forgive me of my sin. I know that you died on the cross rose again and made it possible for me to be forgiven. So come into my life and save me. Help me to be the person you created me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Or something similar to that. It's not the words of the prayer that save you. It's your heart attitude. It's you asking and believing. It's you repenting of your sin, turning from your sin and running towards Jesus. If you did that, let us know so we can give you resources to help you to grow in the Christian life. So, on the screen, you'll see a simple building uh, that I had in mind when we got the church land, uh, that 10 acres of land on the highway. And it's a 10,000 square foot building. Uh, when you look at all sorts of different types of church buildings, it's a pretty simple building. But I think it ha would have everything in it that our church would need to really do a great work here in Belle Plaine. I've had this picture for a really long time, and I've showed it to other people. But uh, I think that it would be perfect. Um, so in 2001, when I came to start the church, I had another uh, blueprint uh, in mind that I've shown in just about every membership meeting. There's a poster of this on the wall at the ministry center, uh, and it is the uh, basically the Sun Life strategy for ministry, but um, a blueprint designed for what the church is supposed to be doing, what the authentic church is supposed to be doing. So in uh, uh, this uh, church structure, uh, the concrete and stuff holds it all together is um, loving God, and loving people. So uh, the foundation comes together when we win lost people to Christ, we build believers up in their faith, we equip mature believers for ministry, 
and we multiply ministries and ministers, even sending some of the trained ones out. I'll talk about that in a minute. So as we are empowering leadership, and as we have spiritual gift-oriented ministry with a passionate spirituality, functional structures, inspiring worship, holistic small groups, need-oriented evangelism, loving relationships with an attitude of repentance and dependence, then we'll build up disciples, and we'll build up small groups, and we'll build up leaders. And those built-up leaders, those trained-up leaders, can serve in our own church. They can serve across the uh, state or across the nation. Some even will serve overseas, and we've had some examples of that in our church. So we've had some guys in the Crown College internship come through that are now serving in full-time Christian ministry, and they are amazing and a blessing to all. So uh, River Rock has been a good place for young uh, future pastors to learn some skills and to get opportunity to preach. Uh, Anyway, uh, church basics. So an authentic church let me just run through the basics. We talk about this, or I talk about this at the membership class. I'm just going to read them real fast. So obviously God, uh, loving and honoring God above all else is our first command. Uh, Jesus Christ. Every Christian is called to be fully committed to Jesus Christ. God's word, the Holy Bible, is the basis of our teaching, life, and ministry. Prayer is absolutely essential to a victorious Christian life and church. Worship and celebration are the heartbeat of the victorious church. Evangelism, lost people matter to God in our church, and we will strive to reach them. Or as the Christian Missionary Alliance says, lost people matter to God and he wants them found. Uh, Community, fellowship, and growth groups exist to encourage love and strengthen faith. Spiritual gifts are given to every believer to be used for serving in his church. Uh, Equip, we desire to train, equip, and develop Christians for ministry and leadership and multiply. We desire to fulfill God's mandate of making disciples and establishing new churches. So uh, our church focuses, like my sweatshirt says, on being a well church. Well, like healthy, like well. So, but well stands for a church that is worshiping, evangelizing, learning, and loving. On our literature, we put encouraging because some people don't necessarily want to uh, be evangelized because they think that it's a scary thing where someone yells at them with a bullhorn or something. So anyway, uh, we want to connect people to Christ and we want to help them live well lives. We want to help them to become worshipers, uh, encouragers, uh, learners and uh, lovers in the word, in, in Christ, in the church. So anyway, Paul instructs the church in Colossians 3.16. He says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So uh, these are the things that we do when we get together for church. Uh, These are the things that the authentic local church does. Uh, These are things that you can actually watch on videos of other churches doing too. So I'm definitely not going to knock the internet ministries that are changing people's lives. Um, I just think that when you are around real people, that you have more of an opportunity to be involved and to serve, and it can make uh, a greater difference in your spiritual growth. But if all you have is internet church or radio church or whatever, then you should do that because God can use that to help you to grow also. 
Uh, he gave us the Great Commission. Uh, we've already mentioned this before, but Matthew 28 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, Jesus said. So that's not just for um, preachers or missionaries or teachers in the church. Um, that is for all of us to be doing. And I think that you may have more opportunities to reach people than I do because you see people at your work that I would never have opportunity to connect with. But um, I'm going to talk about worship, what is true worship, authentic worship next week. And the week after that, I'm going to give you some resources on how to be an authentic discipler, how you can raise up authentic disciples. There's no perfect church. Um, Sometimes you go to a church and you really like the preaching and you won't like the music or you really like the music and you don't like the preaching or you want more for kids ministry or you don't have any kids and the church is all about kids ministry and they don't really do anything else. Um, So sometimes it's hard to find the perfect church. And I heard that if you find the perfect church, when you start attending it, you'll ruin it. So I don't really know. But in Hebrews 10, 22, it says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart And with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching." Jesus is going to return. Uh, That will be a wonderful day. But until then, we in the church are supposed to encourage each other. We are supposed to spur one another on. Sometimes that's not comfortable, but that is a good thing to do. We're not supposed to give up meeting together. All right, number three. I don't know where the time goes. Number three, the authentic church is the body of Christ in action. People caring, sharing, and serving together. I already touched on that a little bit, but uh, let me just talk about it some more. So um, Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. The church, the church serving, the church worshiping, the church brings glory to the Lord, uh, empowers and helps and Uh, So many things are done through the church. It's exciting or should be exciting to be part of the local church. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? So it's not a building. It's the people that make up the church. Ephesians 2.22, And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Ephesians 4.12 in the Christian Standard Bible Uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ, the church in action, the church's people together. Um, And it's also interesting that the church uses preaching. Now, I've heard a lot of things about, oh, there's so many better ways than lecturing for people to learn, uh, interactive learning, discovery learning, or whatever. But um, for thousands of years, the church has used preaching. Uh, God started the church through preaching. Peter added to the number of the church through his sermon. I have preached almost 900 sermons here at River Rock. So if you take 19 years, say roughly 47 sermons a year, 
um, because they get some time off uh, when Pastor Dan or someone guest speaker preaches, but then you throw in maybe a, a Christmas Eve or a Good Friday service and a couple of funerals and a couple other special times when they have to preach. That's roughly uh, 900 sermons uh, that I have preached, and uh, some have been better than others. So, but I'm honored that I have the opportunity to get to do this because I get to spend time in God's Word, and um, it's just been an awesome uh, opportunity that I've been blessed with, and I'm thankful to the Lord for it. So, anyway, 1 Corinthians 1, 21 says, Since God in His wisdom saw to it that the world would never know Him through human wisdom, He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. All of us who believe in Christ are the church, and the authentic church is the church that is carrying out Jesus' plans for the church uh, in the way that Jesus wants it carried out. 1 Corinthians 12.27 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So if you are in Christ, you are a part of the body of Christ, and you've got to figure out which part of the body you are, and you need to get to work and use that part of the body because we need you, and it is important for you to use your spiritual gift. At Pentecost, when the church started, uh, the believers were all excited to uh, take everybody that was around and to uh, get them all together and to train them up before they went back to wherever their homeland was. And so they were willing to sell stuff. They were willing to bring their resources together. They were willing to do everything they could to help build up these believers and provide for their needs and build up the church. And uh, Acts 2, 42 to 47 talks about that. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So that is the New Testament church in action. And when we do that, when we're able to help out uh, others in need, when we share uh, life together, it is a great thing. And that should be one of our goals. All those who believed in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord are committed to meet regularly for worship, teaching, fellowship, and prayer. So, and giving Giving financially is another vital part of being in the church. The church requires your financial support to move forward. The church requires your financial support to complete its mission. And it's exciting because when we give, we often find that God blesses our finances. Often we visibly see how he gives back. So we see that when we put the kingdom of God first, that he blesses us. Matthew 6, says, don't worry or verse 31 actually, don't worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. 
Our mission is to change our community, connecting people to Christ, to live well lives, worshiping, encouraging, learning, and loving. So we need and expect our church family to support us. And great things happen when you support the local church. Great things happen. So uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So uh, that's the principle of sowing and reaping. And when we give, we're supposed to give cheerfully and we will see results. So we will see new people come to Christ. We will see people grow in Christ. We will see uh, new opportunities for church and church people. Um, there's things that our church do behind the People might not even know that it goes on, but it's just so exciting, the opportunities that we're given because we exist as a local church in our town, in our region. But let me just continue 2 Corinthians 9. All right, verse 10 says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That's amazing. So you're giving, you're being generous, you're helping people in need, and people are maybe saying thank you, but they're also saying thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for providing this. Thank you for sending that person to help me. So they're praising God as a result of your faithfulness. Uh, let me continue on verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. So heaven will be more populated because of what God is doing at our church. Hopefully, people will not be able to slip into hell without hearing the gospel uh, if the local church does its job. Families are being helped, often turned around, and giving is an investment, an eternal investment in people. So I know that people talk about our church. Sometimes what they say gets back to me. Uh, some people don't understand our church, and I hear that stuff, and I understand. Uh, some people are just mean, but many, uh, many people I've heard say that the church people, River Rock Church people, are authentic, the real deal, and that River Rock Church has a good reputation in the community. I think it would be even more so if we had our own space to meet, and if we were able to do more things and offer more uh, to the community. But let me finish with this, and I will be done. So, and you can... Totally turn this off if you want right now, because um, it's just a funny old story. But uh, it kind of shows uh, how a church, a Baptist church actually, uh, had a good reputation in its community. <laughs> it's a funny story. So This story deals with a rather old-fashioned lady who was planning a couple weeks vacation in Florida. She was also quite delicate and elegant with her language. She wrote a letter to a particular campground and asked for reservations. She wanted to make sure the campground was fully equipped, but didn't know how to ask about the toilet facilities. She just couldn't bring herself to write the word toilet in her letter. 
After much deliberation, she finally came up with the old-fashioned term, bathroom commode. But when she wrote that down, she still thought she was being too forward. So she started all over again, rewrote the entire letter, and referred to bathroom commode simply as B period C period. So as BC. And she wrote, does the campground have its own BC? That's what she actually wrote. Well, the campground owner wasn't old-fashioned at all. And when he got the letter, he couldn't figure out what the lady was talking about. That BC really stumped him. After worrying about it for several days, he showed the letter to other campers, but they couldn't figure out what the lady meant either. The campground owner finally came to the conclusion that the lady was and must be asking about the location of the local Baptist church, BC, Baptist church. So he sat down and wrote the following reply. Here's what he wrote. Dear Madam, I regret very much the delay in answering your letter, but I now take pleasure of informing you that the BC is located nine miles north of the campsite and is capable of seating 250 people at one time. I admit it is quite a distance away if you are in the habit of going regularly, but no doubt you will be pleased to know that a great number of people take their lunches along and make a day of it. They usually arrive early and stay late. The last time my wife and I went was six years ago, and it was so crowded we had to stand up the whole time we were there. It may interest you to know that right now there is a supper plan to raise money to buy more seats. They plan to hold the supper in the middle of the BC so everyone can watch and talk about this great event. I would like to say it pains me very much not to be able to go more regularly, but it's surely not for lack of desire on my part. As we grow older, it seems to be more and more of an effort, particularly in cold weather. If you decide to come down to the campground, perhaps I could go with you the first time you go, sit with you, and introduce you to all the other folks. They have a really friendly community. I think that was really funny. And I think that uh, a church with a good reputation uh, has other people in town recommending it, has other people that uh, know of it and will come to that church in their time of need. And I think there is still a great need, even though we have Internet Church and TV Church and a uh, podcast church and so many resources available to be part of a local authentic church. And I hope that you will plug into River Rock Church as we are trying to get restarted again after COVID. Uh, and if not, I hope that you will find a church somewhere to plug into. So um, our church is part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And we're part of uh, Crown College, which is about 30 miles away or so, uh, 30 minutes away. And uh, we have resources to help you to prepare for uh, a lifetime of Christian service, of Christian ministry. Uh, we want to help to see you uh, become um, all that God has for you. So if that means uh, serving in ministry, if that means becoming a missionary or uh, so many other things, uh, we want to help encourage you in that. So but let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this time. This has been a long video again. Lord, I pray that you would use it for your glory. I thank you that we get to meet together on Sunday morning and the message will be uh, different, not kind of different won't be exactly the same, 
probably be shorter. Lord, I pray that you would bless these people who are watching. I pray you'd give us a church building. The church is people, but we do need a building. Lord, I pray that uh, you would keep us healthy, that COVID would go away, that we would experience a period of peace and revival, and that you would do great things for through us, for us, and that you'd be glorified. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So you have yourself a great week.